This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, while we are out there buying gifts for families and friends, there's another side to this sales rush, the returns. Across e-commerce, about 30% of purchases are returned, about 50% of all clothing, and that means a wave of shipping back to the places we got them from. The supply chain handles the forward movement on the original sales pretty well, but it apparently does not handle the returns or that reverse movement as well. So what impact will that have, especially this year, in a time where supply chain is already being challenged? Gad Alon is Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions at the Wharton School, and he joins us with more on that. Gad, great to talk to you. Happy holidays, sir. Happy holidays. Great to be here, Dan. Thank you. And, and I guess what makes this question, the original question, interesting to me is that we, as consumers, we probably expect that the process of delivery is pretty much the same on both sides of this question. You know, it's it's still just delivery, Correct. Yes and no, of course. Uh, uh, yes, I mean, I think ultimately you're going to use pretty much the same modes of transportation. So you're going to use trucks and warehouses to bring it back. But if you think about everything that tries to move things to the customer, is try to move it and try to use scale as a way to gain efficiency and try to be as responsive as you can to the consumer, meaning carrying inventory at the point where it's going to be the most convenient to the, to the customer. Now, everybody is motivated by getting it as fast as you can to the customer to, be, to get paid, right? I mean, because only once the customer gets, starts paying, then everything starts going backwards and then stuff like paying your suppliers and suppliers, suppliers, and et cetera. All of that is not true on the way back. So think about the following. You are now coming back and returning something to the store. You might mm-hmm. be returning something you bought six months ago. And now the sale associate that is going to come and accept it don't see any value in handling that, so they're going to, at their own time, bring it back, and 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 then now it's actually going to be one by one traveling back and again and again, and no point in the process we gain scale or we see true incentive to make it efficient. And so overall, while the forward supply chain has improved a lot over the last, I would say, 20 years, the backward supply chain, the reverse logistics what people call circular supply chain, has not improved a lot over the last time. You have done some work uh, with a company called Return Go, uh, looking to try and find ways to improve the uh, return process. Uh, take us through some of that work and, and really what you see that potentially needs to change. I think one of the main realizations for many firms, primarily for the small firms, that it's sometimes better not to have the customers return at all. So I'll give an example. For a $100 product that the firm has, let's say, a 30% margin, ultimately, once you add everything up, the firm is going to make a profit of that. The moment the customer is returning it, all the profit got erased. It got erased primarily through the cost of shipping it back. So sometimes you actually are better off telling to the telling customer, and, and I'll say one more thing, 25% of the products, actually do not find themselves back on the shelf. In fact, 25% of the products find themselves in a landfill. So you know you're not able to sell it. You know you're going to ship a product that you cannot sell anymore. I think a lot of what uh, firms are trying to do, and Return Go is one example for that, is help firms optimize for that and say, here's a customer that is really not a typical returner. This is actually a customer that generates 
significant lifetime value if a serious customer that bought the wrong product or a project that doesn't fit. Let's try to see what's the best option. Maybe one option is have them donate that to the local charity. Maybe another option is keep it and we'll give you a refund to buy the next product. And, and so really a big part of that is trying to optimize and help firms make decisions as a way to A, retain the customer, B, make sure that we remove and reduce a big part of the footprint. And I'm talking about pollution and, and carbon footprint we are putting by shipping things back and forth, back and forth. So mm -hmm. the point here is to look at returns not so much as a transaction, but rather as a holistic part of the overall relationship of the firm with the customer. How does then, since we're in this you know world of e-commerce at this point, uh, where we, you know, use it more and more, how does the rate of return via e-commerce, you know, original purchases, uh, uh, differ from people wanting to make the returns at physical stores, which I, I think a lot of these companies will like because you may be able to see them sell something else. Uh, and it gets people into the physical store, physical store location. Yes. So I think there are two different issues here, which I think you, you pointed out. One is the, the number you started this segment with, the 30% and the 50%, 30% of the order is being returned, 50% of apparel. These are things that are bought online. And so, these are, so the massive returns are really a phenomena of online e-commerce rather than of physical shipping. And, or, or physical shopping, sorry. Now, the second thing that, that is important, which is what, what I think you're alluding to, when you ask customers how they will continue to buy if online shopping does not allow them to return, it's really a small minority. I'm talking about less right. than 20% agree to shop where there is no return. Having said that, 57% in different surveys say that they will are okay if it means returning to a store. So they understand they still want to retain the ability to return, but they understand the implication of their return. And if there is a store nearby, they don't mind doing that, which exactly brings the point that you're bringing, the fact that the moment you brought them to the store, A, you, sh you save the cost of shipping. B, most likely they want to buy something. C, maybe they will buy even something else on top of that. So I would right. say... We hear a lot of um, about omnichannel, the idea of selling things to customers different places. I think we have to put returns as part of that and try to understand how do we actually do that. I'll give an example for a firm that does it well, of course, is it, Amazon. Amazon say, we'll, if you return it to Whole Foods, um, we will give you additional benefits. We will actually, you know, with different places in the U.S., they give actually different benefits around it. But they try to encourage you to go back and, and, and just drop it off in Whole Foods, and then you don't even need to pack it. The main advantage then is that Whole Foods is part of the Amazon stuff like family, and they would like to bring right. more people there and also generate the scale we mentioned. So generate scale in returns, not only in the forward supply chain, but also in the reverse supply chain. Is there more and more focus being done by companies about the about the return side and how important it could be to the overall process? You mentioned Amazon, but obviously other companies as well. I, well, some firms, right? I mean, you see, Jet.com is giving you a two to three percent discount if you agree to waive a 
concerned. Uh, there are more and more firms that are thinking about that. There are more and more firms uh, that are trying to help the firm, primarily small and medium businesses, to SMBs, to try to manage that. Again, if you are uh-huh. Amazon or Walmart, you, you see massive returns, but you have the data to try to funnel things within the organization. The ones that are really getting hurt with that are the small and medium businesses that cannot match the same return policy, but they have to to remain competitive. So I see more and more tools doing that. I mean, I, I go back to the firm you mentioned, Return Go, that is offering that as a platform on top of Shopify. Shopify is where many of the stores are, many of the small and medium businesses. You can see that more and more solutions on Shopify helping small brands manage exactly that. So I do see more awareness, but it's still highly fragmented and not at the same level as we see in persuading a customer to buy one more item. So I don't see the same thought going into persuading the customers to maybe waive their return. Right, because, because as I see it as a consumer, you know, and, and as a journalist looking at this, you know, I see that, you know, there, there could be a, a significant impact to the bottom line of a company if you can manage that part of the process better. Absolutely. The difficulty, however, and then we have to really date it back to the, the early days of Zappos. Zappos came and changed the landscape of online shopping for, top, for an item that most of us were reluctant to buy online, shoes. The moment they introduced that, everybody had to copy. And, and the equilibrium is one where customers expect to, think, to get things immediately, expect to be able to return everything, but we are not at a stage where we understand the consequences that you are just describing, the impact on profitability. When we ask ourselves, why do we see Amazon every place, but we don't see small firms competing? This is a reason. We are penalizing the small brands. We are penalizing the small firms without even realizing it. Is it potentially then a better option for some companies to use, you know, third-party platforms like, as you said, with the company you work with, Return Go, to handle more of this process because they've they've looked at the research, they've you know they've taken a deeper dive into this, and to a degree, it takes something off the plate of of the retailer in the first place. Exactly, that's exactly a place where I think I think third parties. A platform, you see other firms like Bond that was just acquired and was building micro-fulfillment centers in cities to handle that. So there are more and more firms that are doing other day AI, which is an example of Return Go, or other firms that are doing the, the warehousing and, and the logistics of it, trying to solve it. So it definitely comes more into the radar of firms, but it's slower evolution compared to the rest. But this is exactly where I expect a lot of innovation over the next few years. Primarily, consumers, hopefully, would become more aware of the impact, both financially and in terms of carbon footprint of this behavior. All right. Gad, great to talk to you as always. Thanks very much for your time. And again, happy holidays to you, sir. Happy holidays, Dan. Thank you. Gad Alon, who is a professor of operations, information, and decisions at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.